Welcome, fanatics. This is the latest entry in the Diary of Doom. I'm your Cypher Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of Doom Metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you have a question or want to pinch me something or want to give me some shit, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And uh, joining us for this chapter is John Michael of the uh, the Solo Outfit Project, uh, better known as Domestic Quam. Am I saying that correctly? You nailed it in one. That is very good. Nice. I pride myself on those, those one-hit takes. Um, <laughs> but I got to... I found out about... Uh, John and his project through uh, previous guest, Jeremy Hunt, um, who's in a, a band called Koheleth. You should go check out doing really cool things. And uh, Jeremy is also, uh, he was launching this project, I believe last year. Maybe you can give um, some more details about it, but he launched uh, a label called uh, Philip K discs. And he was putting out like experimental noise um, releases on it. Uh, you know, kind of something that like I I feel like sort of lays adjacent to you know doom metal, sort of that experimental, uh, heavy music, so to speak. You know, that you know, I mean, I've said before that you know heavy metal is an experimental genre of music, especially in the later years, and what people have been able to do with that. And you know, listening to uh, domestic qualm, I definitely find that it falls into that sort of experimental metal band and like you know i don't really know what the def- the absolute definition of an experimental metal band is but i just assume that like somebody who would identify as in an experimental band uh, experimental metal band would be someone that like grew up listening to metal but wanted to do different like things with it like really put it on like like spin it on its head and not be afraid to incorporate other genres of music into it and uh, i should just let you talk i've introduced (laughs) and been battling on and maybe you can provide some more insight into it but like i would say that domestic is an experimental metal band that's sort of taking from like some root genres and and doing weird things with it but not being pinned down by any like really specific style anyway thanks for coming on the show (laughs) wow that is that is a lot of uh words for the intro yeah i know right Um, uh, no, you, you, you got it, uh, you got it nailed down. Um, Jeremy and I at this point have been like, we've been, he, I've worked, uh, well, the, the album that he's working on now with Goheleth, I have some, I, I've contributed to some, some sounds, uh, to that album. And then he's done stuff on previous stuff that I've done. We've been D and D partners. We text each other all the time about shitty Christian metal bands. <laughs> um, we play D and D together. We have a, we have a, we have actually have a separate noise project with a couple other friends as well, uh, called VHHP. And it's, so at this point we have so many things that we do together that like when it came time to release this new EP, um, and he had him and, uh, him and Eric had started up, uh, Philip K discs. Uh, they had previously, when they were first starting the label, they had kind of said like, Hey, you know, if you're, we kind of want to keep our focus on like more experimental, noisier, noise-based kind of stuff. And at the time I was still more, um, I was still more sort of thinking along the lines of like, you know, black metal and doom metal and sort of those kinds of more tr- traditional is the wrong word, but like not as experimental, I guess. And uh, the, and it's a, you know, and and it was fine. I I, I mostly had self released up until uh, that point anyway. But when when it came time for this uh, for the Wallowing in Misery EP, um, I had sort of by that point decided that like I just want to do. I had followed some ideas that I had had, and that sort of led down some rabbit holes that would eventually become the EP. And I sent it to them, and they said, "Oh, this is this very much feels like it's sort of fits with." Uh, the the stuff that they're doing and so we I released it well originally the plan was to do the cassette uh, last year uh, and then of course the pandemic happened and you know so on and so forth so I ended up releasing it digitally myself on my Bandcamp and then 
we sort of bided our time to get a sense of what everyone's lives would look like uh, over the next little while. And uh, at a certain point, I just got a bit antsy and said, let's, I, I kind of want to do this. And so we found a way to sort of make it possible for Jeremy and I to, uh, to get the cassette tapes made. And, uh, and here we are. It's, uh, the, it comes out, the tape comes out on March 9th. Uh, we made a run of 20 copies and they're about half sold so far. So I'm real excited, real excited about that. And uh, yeah, we recorded some additional material for that and uh, for the tape release specifically. And I even bought a button maker. Uh, that's one of my two pandemic hobbies is, is now <laughs> button making. Uh, so I made a bunch of buttons to send down to Jeremy so he could include them with all the tapes. So yeah. Note yourself. I will order that tape because uh, it's, it's a cool, because it's a really, it's a cool record. And, but listening to like your progression, you know, it's, it's a trip and it's a journey. And I like doing that with bands and it's fun because I, I don't know. Like, I, uh, like I, I love listening to how bands, you know, this is, I mean, this is no like, you know, unique statement, but I love watching how bands and I guess specifically like artists like evolve over time. And I'll be honest, like a band that I didn't give a lot of like time to, for example, recently was like, I hate God. And then I did an episode where I went back and listened to all their records. And I was like, you know what? I'm shocked by how, different that band sounds on each release given that they are like a very riff heavy and sludgy band i was like huh that's pretty cool so like listening to your stuff going through it uh it was really interesting because i started out listening to the new to the ep and then going back i was like oh well this is interesting knowing like where you are now and then going back to where you started and how you got to where like what you're doing now but i kind of understand it a bit more just be, just by listening to it and it's just as kind of you do with any bear like oh okay like eventually you know bands do just sort of like a certain thing at a certain point in their career whether it's just like the sound is a little more accessible like maybe this one is a bit more melodic like whatever it may be but you know you had to get there somehow so like what were your earliest experiences with music did you have a musical upbringing or did you just kind of like find out about music on your own and you dove into it from there. I, I, I would say I probably had like half a musical upbringing. Like my, my mom is definitely a musician type. She's a, she's a worship leader at church. So she's, and she doesn't like, and there's like, there's a whole industry related to that. And she always kind of liked to bypass that sort of like, here's all the notes you're going to play on this song. She liked to come up with her own arrangements of music. Um, and so she's always, <laughs> that was always sort of front of mind for her. And so when I was a kid, uh, you know, we did a few years of piano lessons, a few years of uh, trumpet. Uh, I, <laughs> I stopped playing before I realized that ska was a thing. And uh, I would have probably played, I would have probably gone into ska in all honesty, <laughs> if, uh, uh, if I had sort of picked up that before. Uh, that's a pick it up joke. That's a ska reference. Um, <laughs> Um, if I, if I had known that in time, uh, in, towards the end of high school, I got a guitar, I, I bought myself a guitar because at that point I was like, you know what, there's, I was, that was when I was starting to hit the, my new metal phase. So your, your, your corns and your limp biscuits and your deft tones, yeah. I was like, I want to play that. And, um, I was hampered by, uh, basically n having no friends who wanted to do the same thing and not really having any concept of like how to make my guitar sound like how it sounds in the thing. So I was like, my guitar, like this guitar and a practice amp sounds like shit and I don't like it. So uh, I, I probably gave up after a year or so, but I never got rid of the guitar. And so it kind of went unused for a bunch of years. And then probably about five years ago, I started, uh, uh, started uh, my, doing podcasts myself. And um, I had so many friends who, were doing their own sort of solo projects, whether it was like metalcore or like prog metal or just uh, weird psychedelic stuff. They're just all these people who are like, have are figuring out how to basically do their own projects while, you know, in their free time uh, apart from their regular day jobs. And I had so many, and, and, and at first my goal was just like, hey, these people don't, I just want to talk to my friends, A, because I had just had a kid and I wasn't leaving the house ever. So I'm like, let's force people to talk to me so I can uh, have a social life. 
but then the more people so you I were fully to, prepared for quarantine <laughs> oh yeah oh god yeah yeah the, uh, the my to say that my social life changed would be almost a lie uh when yeah. quarantine happened but when i started because my, my goal for podcasting was because i knew that uh it was to have people oh like actually have people in my house um because i knew that i wanted to have a hook and my original hook for podcasting was have people over for dinner we'll have drinks we'll have good food and then after we've had like a good time of it then we'll go and like chat for a while on a podcast and that way even if people don't get you know a million listens on, a, on an episode or something that at least they had a good time yeah that was my goal i hear you i did it i launched a side podcast last year because like i launched this podcast in november of 2019 and then obviously you have a lot of plans and then most of those plans go down the shitter when you have a massive crisis like we did uh so i started a whole other separate podcast called defenders of the cake which is 100 a Judas priest reference just so i could like talk to my friends because you know it was just like, even though I don't live in the same town that I grew up in, I'm not far away and I could still like drive up and like hang out and, you know, have a couple of beers, smoke a joint, spend some time, hang out with my friends. And then, you know, I'm, I'm going in and out of the city. I have friends in Jersey city. They're moving to wherever in New York, you know, they live down the street from me now. So like I did that because I just needed to be able to like, I'm like, well, I can't just be talking to fucking metal people for an entire year. <laughs> You know, that's a, that's a thing when you that's a thing when you have mostly friends who don't like metal, it be, you very learn very quickly how to become interested in other people and their interests. And uh, and it really allow and I think if, if I have any talents, I mean, it's I, I, I suppose it's not entirely determined if I have talents as a podcaster. But if I do, it's because uh, at, at interviewing people, it's just because I like I want to know what their other people are about. And um and and what it ended up becoming was a lot of people saying, yeah, yeah, I have a like in some cases it was I have a rich parent who built a studio for me in my basement. Uh, but it, for other people, it was like, no, I have a little hole in uh, in the wall in my basement where I have a, a, a laptop set up and I figured out how to work up an interface and then, you know, a copy of Pro Tools and stuff. And then I just buy a bunch of virtual amps on you know some website and then sort of go from there. And when the more I started thinking about it, I was like, you know, my guitar is still sitting in my ba- parents' basement. Like I could go get it. Um, and so that sort of started me, that was sort of what started me down the path of actually getting, uh, not just into like, well, I mean, I, I never stopped listening to music, but starting to like actually play music and thinking that like, maybe I could record something and see how it goes. Um, well, to your lot- point about like people like liking metal but also kind of like having to know how to like navigate the other channels like you know i think metal broke within the last like five years five six years more into the mainstream um because prior to that like i had a hard time talking to people about some of the bands i liked with occasional crossover like death heaven was the big band when i was in college i was probably like the biggest metal band uh, when I was in college that suddenly started getting like some uh, outside talk from people that really weren't into like heavy music. And then, and now I have, oh, there's a lot of like, now it's not just that, like I-, I have friends that are into metal bands that like other kinds of music. It's that I have, it's like, I've tried to kind of get out of my own boundaries and make sure that I'm not just like keeping myself grounded in metal, you know? Cause you can like, I think you can just really get stuck in the muckety mucket of metal. And it's like, you kind of need to be able to go and find other genres of music. And when you listen to it, you realize that like, it does hit you the same way. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of metal fans, and I'm not saying this to like deride anybody. I think a lot of metal fans like listen to metal and they're like, Oh, it's so heavy, but it's like, there's like Springsteen albums that I'm like, this is fucking heavy as shit. Like, this is, you know, The Cure. Like, The Cure is a very heavy band, in my opinion, you know? Like, Depeche Mode. Like, I would just be like, tell me Depeche Mode is not a good fucking band. Like, fight me. (laughs) (laughs) My The thing that I use for reference, 
when it comes to like how I relate my love of metal to other people is I, there was a conversation I had with a coworker a few years back and I don't remember how Metallica came up, but I mentioned the word Metallica and they said, what? And I was like, you know, you know, Metallica. And they were like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know what that is. And immediately in my head, I was like, Oh, I can never, talk to anyone in my real life about this anymore because <laughs> like that metallica you know the black album you know, one of the highest selling yeah. albums of all time in any genre in, of, in all of history and i mean they're a was... pop i i will say it again metallica is a pop band by this sure. point it, you know what i i don't even like it's 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 perfectly fine like and, and yes like i the, the the popularity of metal it feels to me like always a sliding scale like you can talk about how well-known like a band of like lamb of god or mastodon is uh within certain circles and certainly they're you know headlining huge festivals and stuff Uh, and then at the same time i'm running into people who i couldn't name check as like a casual ref not even like for cred like who would name check metallica for cred but (laughs) i just mentioned it because it was relevant to the conversation and they were like you know i don't know what you're talking about so i'm like oh okay well let's talk about, I don't know, lost or something like <laughs> what, what can we talk? What can we, what else can we talk about? Uh, since, uh, the intricacies of like why post Opeth or post, uh, watershed Opeth is, is divisive. Like, no, there's, there's no room for that kind of conversation anymore. Uh, no. I... And those are like what I, what I realized, like, as I got older was, excuse me. Um, what I realized as I got older was like, God, that level of conversation is just so niche and so specific to like online forums. And it's just like, who fucking cares? (laughs) You know, like everyone can have their own opinions about what they want and everything. But like at the end of the day, it's just like, guys, like we live in the age of social media. Metal was going to break eventually. And people are just going to have different opinions on things. Like, I mean, I think St. Anger is trash, but there's got to be somebody out there that's going to listen to that and be like, that's great. You know? That album that Metallica did with Lou Reed, it's fucking garbage if you ask me. And I like fucking unlistenable music by the standards. And I'm like, that's fucking garbage. Yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to it's always fun to think about the, the what are the like I yeah when you say I listen to unlistenable garbage, I know what that's I know what I mean. I can hazard a really educated guess about what that is. But then also to hear you know you talk about Lulu as as, as trash and in that not being a good thing like using very similar, if not the same words to describe uh, entirely opposite reactions. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like, I'll just say, and I say this because I'm a fan of them, like the band Sun. I mean, people, most people would probably say that's just someone like forgot to turn their guitar off. And that's what they put out as an album. And I would say like, sure, fine. I could understand why also it rules like, 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 yeah, you you don't have, they don't have to be different things. They can both be the same thing. Right. But also those guys are putting in a hundred percent and like they're doing their thing where they're doing shows with four stacks of cabs smoke. They're all wearing fucking cloaks and they do this for an hour and a half and they are dedicated to it. You know, it's like, it's uh, as, as my girlfriend kept saying, like when we were talking recently, it's kayfabe. It's like wrestling. Like they are 100% into it versus like, you know, you listen to something like Lulu and I say, this is garbage because Metallica thought they were smart enough and they're not to be like, Hey, Lou Reed, we jammed together at the, you know, the, the, whatever it was, the, the rock and roll hall of fame induction thing. You want to do an album together? And he was like, I'm fucking 85. Why should I give a shit? And he does. (laughs) And we get this fucking, filth and it's like fuck this like it's just bad you know yeah the and i know i sound I, like a fucking entitled hipster but <laughs> you know like i i don't i, I tr- there the, my my path through through metal has been sort of not in any sort of special or unique ways but it's just been my own in a way that like i'll have my own blind spots uh certainly and when it comes to a lot of metal but then uh, stuff that like I'm really hyper obsessed about and then stuff that like just passes me by and if I if there's anything I just try to like create a, an atmosphere of like oh okay this this conversation isn't for me I don't have to have right. an opinion on things that I don't know um, anything about like and if you want to talk to me about 
you know, why the charity is better than Norma Jean, then fuck. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like I'll, 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 I'll talk about that for 10 hours, but uh, you know, <laughs> it's a, uh, it, it, when it comes to uh, people will like what they like. And as long as it's generally speaking, not hurting people, then I kind of don't give a shit. I agree. You know, and metal's just always been that, that little thing where it's like everyone just does have an opinion because it was kind of like this sequestered little thing for a while. And now it's not, but, but that being said, all that being said, and I know it sounds like I'm really dunking on, on metal right now, but like, you know, you being involved and being passionate about something like it comes with growing pains and the pros and cons like across genres and, or whatever it is. Um, but you know, it was alluded to me that you were also a big Devin Townsend fan. And like Devin Townsend was probably like amongst it might have been like my favorite metal band. And I just didn't know it when I was in college because like that was like Devin Townsend was one of the bands that I got into in college, which is where I found out a lot about kind of like the bands that I would now really like love. And that was like that just like popped up in my search because it was basically just like i want to know more about metal and you just like go on wikipedia and you're like oh wow this guy's got a long wikipedia page so i'm just gonna check out all of what devin townsend did and i basically ate it up like strapping young lad which i actually really appreciate a lot more now i definitely did not appreciate strapping young lad the first time i listened to it because i was still going through that like not really into harsh vocals like phase and now i'm like give me the fucking most disgusting death metal you can give me because like i i do love just like i don't know what the fuck you're saying i don't really care it's probably dumb <laughs> but it's okay if it just sounds like <laughs> um but like strapping young lad his solo projects his ambient stuff casualties of cool and i think it was like just sort of the weirdness of him but also like I was like, oh, this guy seems to really know what he's talking about. He's really all about production. Like he, you know, so it's interesting how a band like Devin Townsend doesn't ever click with a more mainstream audience, but then a band like, you know, we'll just go with Death Heaven again or like Power Trip, you know, but, but, but uh, Devin Townsend has kind of always been within that, like kind of he's sort of been like that little like crown prince of metal as like the weirdo guy that's super smart but he might not really break out of it and i i don't know if that's for better or for worse but like yeah i dove super into devin townsend like when i was listening to bands like mastodon and baroness again death heaven boris sleep like all bands that were really kind of chiming into the more like down-tuned sort of sound and then he was like very complex and you know and also like i was into huge into prog metal at the time and like i was also like super into dream theater but like i don't think dream theater has been able to maintain their presence whereas like i think devin townsend's got that cult following but he's also got like a lot of respect from metal like people will just go check out what he does because he does something kind of interesting and unique every time he drops an album. I mean, the guy knows how to like make metal that spans genres and sounds different. The the thing about Devin Townsend, and I'm glad you mentioned Dream Theater too, because I feel like <laughs> I'm <at> not. This... <laughs> <laughs> I have I have such a like kind of a love hate relationship with that band now. I mean, sure. That's I mean anyone who could call like anyone who at any point has called themselves a dream theater fan at, at this point could at a flip of a coin, either love or hate them. Um, but I feel like both of them at this point have similar <laughs> like fan bases that they play to. Um, and I think the difference is that uh, dream theater is much more narrow focused. Um, for, like for, and, and, and I, I get it. Like I've, I've listened to their, I could listen to their whole catalog. There was a bunch of years I was obsessed with them. And like, they, I still they think do... they have good, some good records. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and like, and for being prog, they're able to like draw, you know, the, the, their thing was always like, they wanted to do like Metallica rush. And oh, I don't know what the third one was. Like Iron Maiden. Or yeah, Iron Maiden. Right. So like, I know that they, they, they they're not like, 
hyper narrowly defined, but like they, you know, like once you get a handle on dream theater and what they do, then like their albums tend to be okay for this album, we made it 5% heavier or this album, we made it 5% more theatrical uh, or proggy or whatever. It's just like tinkering with a formula that like, um, and then that's by their own admission too. That's not a, that's not a diss. Um, whereas I feel like Devin for his sort of, I think I think the reason why people are more willing from the larger metal world are typically willing to like check in on him anytime he does something new is because he is sort of like, cause you actually don't really know what you're going to get with Devin. Um, right now at the, at the time we're recording this, he's been, he's been sort of vaguely uh, posting on social media as he's wanted to do about this album that he's calling the puzzle, which sounds like it's going to be a sequel of sorts to like, his Hummer and DevLab ambient albums, I think. Uh, which again, like at the, if, again, again, I could talk about Devin Townsend forever. Um, it is 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 cool because I know that he just came out last year with sort of with Empath, which was an album that attempted, I think, to basically summarize his entire career in one album across every single genre that he's ever worked in. There's uh, like there's orchestral stuff. There's like, there's the casualties of cool stuff. There's the ambient stuff. There's the strapping young lad death metal stuff. There's the proggy stuff. There's the, like the, the melodic hard rock. That was a lot of his 2010s, like you're addicted or Epic cloud stuff. And that just is such an overwhelming listen. And to hear him be like, I think I'm just going to do like, go back to ambient. Um, is so, is, is so nice. My, introduction to Devin Townsend was uh, I was driving with my brother to visit his girlfriend at the time and uh, we're we're at a mall and I saw a copy of City on uh, at a record store and I had heard people talk about the name Devin Townsend before as especially being a guy who used to be on Dream Theater forums that's that his name would come up a lot and so I said you know what why not let's just give it a try and so I bought City and I was driving home uh, cause I, I left my brother to hang out with his girlfriend and I was driving home and was driving through the fog. I couldn't see shit. I was kind of like really on edge. And then I put on strapping young lad city to listen to that. I had just purchased on a whim <laughs> and it was, I'm sure it's partially because I was worried I was going to like run off the road and die, but that was the most intense musical experience I'd ever had. And I instantly yeah. was like, what the fuck am I listening to? Listening to like, Stra like listening to strapping young lad is it's one of those for me like it's a it's one of those metal discoveries because you kind of i feel like when you listen to metal like you know like look i i think mastodon's great i loved mastodon when i was listening to them in college uh you know and like you listen to like band and i was also like really and i'm still am like really into clutch but then like when you find bands like strapping young lad like um and like there's a reason why people talk about it, like like celtic frost or like you know like high and fire got really fucking huge and like sleep you're like holy shit these bands are really pushing it to the levels of heaviness and i think that's like now when i go back and listen to strapping young lad i'm like okay i didn't appreciate this enough but even at the time i was like holy fuck i i didn't think i was ready for it I actually, it took me a while, like, to get into a band like Electric Wizard because I was like, this is too heavy. I, I can't, or Sun, I couldn't deal with like yeah. how heavy it was. And now I'm like, oh, I love it. Like, just wash me over in this fucking like annihilation of sound. But then you get to his other stuff and it's like, wow, this is so different. And I would always have these nights where I would just be like drunk. Or like sitting in my car smoking weed, and I'm like, I'm just gonna put on this Devin Townsend record, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is so fucking good. Like it just it it just nailed it, and it was insane. And I think that, you know, kind of like another Canadian band like Voivod, um, I which I've recently really grown to appreciate. I like Devin because he's given it his all. Like he's putting all of his effort into it. Versus I'm like, yeah, Dream Theater. It's like they got their guitar solo in and they're doing super fast, but it's like, they don't really need to have a great vocalist and they don't uh, versus <laughs> I'm like, Devin Townsend is like an amazing singer, like, and really puts a lot of effort in the fact that like, he wants to be able to deliver vocally, instrumentally, 
on across like across the boards you know yeah well and and Devin, yeah like that's definitely the Devin townsend experience which is that you feel like you are getting pure unfiltered no posturing just sort of like you're getting Devin, which is funny because he will admit like he like on his live albums he overdubs the guitars like he's not precious about trying to maintain that mystique of like yes i Mm -hmm. am this mad scientist type uh on the the live strapping on the live album he's like yeah i re-recorded the guitars because the actual guitar sounded like you couldn't they were unlistable so i re-recorded them so like yeah like i'm not he he doesn't have the, the the ego i mean for someone who has had at least two or three different bands named after him there's sure there's an ego to him but there's a lack of preciousness i suppose about the 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 whole thing of just like yeah i just he he as long as he can get you to like the experience that he wants you to have then like yeah that's fine there's no um and 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 for someone who wrote an album about you know an alien that wants to get the world's best cup of coffee um there's there's (laughs) it's it's there's no like he's surprisingly like i mean Sure, there's. I, I don't read him as being pretentious. I just read him no. as being someone who just like follows his gut wherever it goes and has the clout and the ability to pull it off. Yeah, he's kind of like a, a heavy version of like Les Claypool. Like he kind of fall. Like he's he definitely comes from like the Zappa school of thought. Like, and he's a self proclaimed fan of like Zappa and you know. Uh, yeah. I I mean, obviously the dudes suck, but like Phil Spector's like wall of noise kind of stuff, like was very innovative, not defending Phil Spector. Oh God. <laughs> I was not a good dude. Just saying he also coincidentally did a very innovative thing in music as a lot of shitty people have done. But yeah, I, yeah. Like when I was in college, um, you know, uh, like Epicloud dropped and ghost had dropped like just a little bit before that. So I was like really like amped to listen to it. And like, you know, you listen to Ziltoid, which is such a bizarre um, concept album, as you said. Uh, I think I listened to Empath. I really don't remember. Um, But I like pretty much everything the guy has done. Like there's good. There's sometimes, you know, there's a little bit of filler. But like for the most part, he's got rippers on all of his records. And again, he just seems like a legit guy and i've seen him tour with a lot of different bands i saw him open up for gojira i saw him open uh i saw him with between the bear and me animals as leaders possibly the strangest pairing that i saw him with was with clutch because i don't know if you know anything about clutch fans but they are not going to be into devon townsend that's my guess uh yeah clutch fans are a very strange breed of people that you know look i love clutch i've i've seen clutch in studio i really dig the shit of what they do and i think they're just kind of one of those bands that unfortunately they're they're sort of like the they have a fan base that i reminds me of like the tool rage against the machine fan base is where they're kind of shitty and they don't really realize what the band is like about so there's like definitely been some clutch shows i've been to at the starland ballroom where there have been a lot of dicey characters and a lot of people getting dragged out by security and uh when i saw that him open up for i mean i was into it like i was like yeah fuck yeah this is great but people were not a hundred percent into it i i think with with clutch i i think I think I was set off on the wrong foot with Clutch because I first heard about them when I heard Blood and Thunder for the first time. And I was like, the guy from Clutch is on here. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but he fucking rocks on the, on his verse on, uh, on the bridge of that song. So I was like, okay, let's go check it out. And then I was like, Oh, this is entirely different. And, and, and eventually I I came around to it and I, and I had a good time. It's they're They're a fun band to listen to for sure. Uh, but, uh, it was it was disorienting at first to come at them through Mastodon because it's a very different vibe. Agreed. Yeah. You know, and and real quick, like aside, like I, and I do, I still to this day really enjoy Mastodon and and to their credit, good for them for being able to like go on tour and have like different bands with them, you know, but also like make sense. You know, I like a well curated tour. I don't necessarily like a tour where I'm like, well, this is just like all over the fucking place i don't really understand this 
But like, you know, I thought it was cool that they went on tour with like Primus and, you know, they had, um, you know, they did a tour. I mean, I like makes sense with like Clutch and whatnot. But, you know, I, I don't know. I know people bag on them. They're kind of like the new Metallica to bag on. But like, I still like Mastodon. I think when it comes to like, to, like interesting tour combinations, it, it, because it, you always, the thing you always want as a fan is you're like, I want, like, I want Opeth, like, I want old Opeth, and I want like all my prog favorites, the Gojira of Devon Townsend. I want them all to tour so I can see all of my favorite prog bands at the same time or whatever your, you know, genre of choices, right? But, uh, but then like it's all the same, it attracts the same crowd and uh and the reason and typically why they'll try and like get different less conventional choices is to bring out more audience to bring out people who wouldn't go see one but would go see the other and that ends up exposing people to like new shit too like i got into intranaut and kylesa because they were opening for uh, mastodon when crack the sky came out um, right i would i would never have found those bands uh on their on their own uh yeah at, at least, i don't at, know at the, at, at the time at least they weren't uh, uh big enough uh to or well again i'm canadian so we always have to have a few year delay on any bands making it big we have to wait a few years before we hear about them but like for for it to reach us i hadn't heard of them by, and watching you know them close uh, watching intranaut close a show with australopithecus where like at the end of the song the guitarist just walk off stage and it's just joe lester and the ba- and the and the drummer just like jamming out with a super fucking heavy riff. I'm like, what in the absolute fuck? And I have Mastodon to thank for that. So, you know, can't complain. Yeah. I, I mean, when I saw Gojira and Tevin Townsend, the open, the first opener was the Atlas Moth, which is a band that I like a lot. Cause I, and I, cause I like that like wall of noise, ambient, like post metal sound, you know? And uh, like my girlfriend saw the Atlas Moth open up for, I don't know. It was like some, it was like, maybe like tribulation or a band like that. I don't remember, but she was like, not really my thing, but like still kind of like cool to like see them. And I was like, Oh, I like them. I'm going to check them out. You know, when I saw intro, not it was Intronaut, Emma Ruth Rundle and Cult of Luna, three Jesus. very different sounding bands, but, but like, all amazing. Exactly. Of course I had, of course I wound up behind like the guy that had to be like, well, here's the thing about Emma. She's she's doing solo and oh, really God, her stuff yeah. with the band is heavier. And I really wanted to just like throw my fucking beer at that guy and just be like, I've, shut up, go outside and smoke a fucking cigarette. I barely even listened to her non-solo stuff, which is not to say that like I dislike it. I just like I only came to Emma Ruth Rundle once, uh, like <laughs> when people started uh, hyping up her, her. I think it was marked for death. And I heard that and I was like, oh, oh this shit rules. And then hearing that she was actually in, in like heavier bands, I was like, "Oh, this is cool too." And then of course, last year that she did the the collaboration with Thou, and I was like, "Yeah, this she is did another thing. one this year." Yeah, this is the thing that makes the most sense that ever anything has ever made sense in the history of the world is is those two together. So that's yeah. uh, that's uh, yeah. I, no, I. This is also why I like to go to concerts usually by myself is because uh, I go to a lot. I, I go to a, I mean, I go a lot with my girlfriend, but I also too, like we go to our own shows like individually. Yeah. I'll, 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 sometimes my wife is game to come with me, but I don't have any, I, I don't set any, I basically let her decide just like you come or don't come. If there's bands that I think that she, I'm pretty sure she won't be into, I'll be like, you, you might want to sit this one out. Just yeah. you might not enjoy it. You know, she she didn't want to go see Meshuggah, but uh, she's, you know, she's she's game for some Devin Townsend. Yeah, but, you know, that's just like the I have no patience for that. You know, like, I don't need to oh, hear yeah, some no. fucking like New York douchebag, like explaining to his friends, like why this isn't like and I'm just like, shut up, like, just enjoy the show. You're here to have fun. Yeah. And it was really nice because like for the most part, like once, you know, those like I walked away from those people, it was like everybody was like really into it, you know. But yeah, I but again, like I, that's what I love. I'm like, that's an amazing lineup. Like that's three really cool bands doing their own thing. And mm-hmm. and I appreciate that, you know, like in the in the same way that I appreciated Devin Townsend opening up for Clutch. But, you know, whatever. Um, but I think you can hear his influence on your music. Uh, like when I was, when I listened to um, Pater Vita, I think you can hear that pretty well on it. 
And that's yeah. definitely a doomier black metal project, but it has a wildly different production value than kind of your by the black metal project or even like your typical doom album, you know, where there's like a lot of fuzz and reverb. Like, you know, I can tell that things are like down tuned in this, but it's like very clean and like you can like you can hear like individual bass notes versus like a bass note that's like riding on a wave of fuzz, which I love. Again, I love that stuff, but I do like to hear this other kind of approach to it. Um, it's it's dense. It, it's, it remains dense is what I'm trying to say. Well, it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because the, I mean, that's effectively, yes, Devin Townsend was a very conscious uh, influence on that first EP. Um, there's a, uh, um, I think it was the song uh, Fear and Trembling, uh, uh, which is a, me being expressing my little, own little uh, philosophy nerd. Uh, shout out to my, to my boy Soren Kierkegaard. Um, but that song specifically was like part, like I was like, you know who was really awesome is Asteroid and also Devin Townsend. Um, and that song specifically was me being like, I would like to, like that, and a lot of that first EP, and in fact, it wasn't until like, even in the first album, the, the first full length album, a lot of my songwriting was sort of like, I like this band. What would it be like if I tried to do something like that? And, um, and it was, and, uh, and, and as far as the production goes, like not like, I, I mean, my favorite thing about any form of like doom or drone or any of that stuff is the, the, the fuzz, like the feeling that you're watching. Like if you ever look at like macro photography where you see the, the, te the individual texture so close yeah. that it's not smooth anymore. You just see all the jagged bits. Yeah. Um, that's how I like to hear. That's my favorite thing about, about doom, uh, about that kind of music. It's just sort of hearing the jaggedness of a single note ring out and I just be like, oh, wow. Like I can, uh, it doesn't, I, I like that stuff. But as it relates to to, um, to the, the first EP, that's a lot of me just like fucking around and finding out. Um, and if we were taught, you talked about before, like how do you define experimental metal? I don't know how other people do it. I don't know how other people produce the doomier and black metal-y more that, like how they get those production stuff dialed in. For me, if, if we can, talk about the first the earliest domestic one stuff being experimental it's literally just me fucking around and finding out um <laughs> uh, it, i don't think there's anything wrong with that yeah oh no like i i the um the this the, if you want to talk about like where i started with and like how i ended up to where i am now it is just sort of like okay so on the first ep i was literally like learning how to uh connect my guitar to my computer and then learning how to use Reaper and easy mix and easy drummer and like, just sort of like fitting everything together. And then I got to a point where I was like, I don't hate this. This is actually kind of cool. Um, and so uh, I put a, at a certain point, I just got enough momentum into that first EP that I was like, okay, I think this is what I want to do. And I had a couple more ideas for songs and I put in there and like, yeah, the last song on, on the first EP, is like a, a, a really short song about yelling at my kids to eat their vegetables. So like, yeah, <laughs> the, there's like that, that if you want to talk about Devin Townsend, that's a real Devin Townsend move right there. Um, but you can't really detect it because of the sort of the masking you've put on it. Yeah. By doing this sort of like unique take on like doomy black and metal. And it's, like I, you know, I made a note of this and it's like, you know, you're yelling at your kids, eat their vegetables. Like, you know, do you think that just like musicians and I guess in metal in particular kind of forget about that sense of self-awareness? Because I feel like for just a, such a large period of time, like metal has always been about sort of like, like kind of abstract concepts that, you know, maybe don't always like really tie into like what's going on. And it took a little while before people were being a little more like in tune with their emotions and kind of like having a more like personal approach to like what the music is about. Um, or even if it took bands like a later, like a, a period of time to like kind of explore that vulnerability. And so do you just think like, like uh, do you think a lot of metal musicians have kind of like either ignored that over the years or kind of forget that? Because I think it's important to have that self-awareness of yourself. 
I, I think that, I mean, I'm no psychologist. If I had to take a guess, I'd say that for people for whom this is, and like, I also have to be like, again, when it comes to self-awareness, I need to be honest that like, this is a thing that I care about very dearly and take very seriously. And is also a thing I do after I put the kids to bed and, uh, and have done a full day's work at the, at the day job. Um, yeah. And so, uh, and, and so I know that for, for, for me to write a song about, uh, or for me to write a song about getting my kids to eat their vegetables is me satisfying my own, like amusing myself. Um, a lot of a lot of my artistic journey is could be described as me finding new ways to amuse myself. Um, the but when it comes to bands for whom and bands who I dearly love and respect um, and aren't Devin Townsend because I guess he's the one guy who can like figure out how to do this uh, and have seemingly have some uh, you know figure out that balance of like actual rage and also humor. Um, but for, for bands that you wouldn't necessarily th think of as being like self-serious, I mean, either it's uh, either it, like it's, it's, it's entirely possible that it's just, a, that's just the kind of people they are. And that's what they, that's how they, uh, they take care of things. Um, it's also possible that like, if you want to make this, if this is the thing you want to do with your life uh, and this is the thing you want to make your career, then like you can't, you, you it, it assert, at a certain point, you need to be more, I guess, mindful about how you not like you present yourself and your music uh, to the public. Like if if Metallica weren't a multi-billion-dollar band and industry, would they be like, yeah, Lou Reed, let's go write Lulu? Like, would they be willing to like take that chance if they weren't secure? in having created an industry for themselves. Um, right. Like bands that are, uh, uh, bands that are try like working bands, bands that are not going to make a ton of money off of this. And like, and most bands don't, uh, and, but bands who want to make a serious go of this and make an actual living off of it, that's sort of like, it's, it create, it raises the stakes in a way that I feel, um, you, you have to respect and take seriously. And so in, in a way that, I, 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 especially in the last, like after the first EP, I, I think I, 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 I dialed it down, uh, uh, the, the silliness, uh, aspect of it. I, I kind of, I toned it down after the first EP, um, when I started thinking like, oh, this is an actual, this won't, this won't be my job, but like, I could actually, I might potentially have things to say, um, as an artist. And so, but it, again, it still occupies a very specific place in my life where that it doesn't for people who are just like, you know, if I don't do this, I can't pay rent uh, uh, on and get kicked out of the apartment. Like that's um, there's there's a seriousness there that uh, I don't want to fuck with. Right, and I think you can hear that on your full length, the piece that destroys, because there's a bit of a departure from like that that sound in on the on the EP, and it has a bit more of like a novel esque approach to like the storytelling aspect of it. And like when I was listening to it, like the band that I thought of, if you're familiar with them is uh, Panopticon, which is like that blending of mm -hmm. like black metal and like country and bluegrass. And it's like taking that. And, and that was also something I did appreciate about the EP was that you really like did away with the black metal tropes that populate so much of the European bands that, if the band's not being, you know, shitty, obviously there's a lot of like shitty black metal bands, but like, you know, sometimes that like ether, like that aesthetic of black metal, like, Oh, cold and winter, you know, just as like, just as all the tropes in doom metal with like, you know, weed and fucking like wizards and shit can get like a bit overbearing and like just repetitive and bland, you know, you really with did without that on EP. And it felt like it was just like a lot more personal and not just like, you know, or trying to exhibit the coldness of the Vikings, but also be like super shitty about it at the same time. Um, like you really did away with a lot of that and tried to make it more personal, which I think, you know, worked to its advantage, obviously. But like you did that even more so on the on your album. And like, you know, again, like there's similarities to Panopticon. It's not quite as, like I said, uh, like straight bluegrass and country songs, but there's 
definitely like that folky aspect to it. And then like you have songs like Canada 1926. When that song dropped, I was like, oh, this is like Cavaller Attack 1985, where they're like a black metal band, but they're just like doing straight like 80s metal like power riffs. And it's just like that song feels very like different, but also kind of makes sense within it, you know? So like, I don't know, like you're like the, the album falls somewhere between like Panopticon and like Titus Andronicus, which is like a more local like experimental punk band to me from New Jersey. But it has like that idea of, well, we're going to have like those basic riffs, but we're also going to have like a bagpipe solo. Yeah. (laughs) Because this is about the history of New Jersey. The, that, that album, if for for me, anytime I'm doing uh, any kind of project I'm working on, I'm always where I'm always like, the thing I always try to get over in my head is, am it's sort of that imposter syndrome. Like, am I a poser? Am I doing this? Is, does this feel like true to who I am as an artist? And like, right. And, and, and so in, I can be a very silly person. And so for me to, to call an EP Pater Vita, which is Latin for dad life, uh, <laughs> that, 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 that feels consistent with myself. Um, right. As far as the 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 al- the the piece of destroys album goes, that one felt different to me, but also it felt legit because that is and and you're right, you're 100 percent right on the Panopticon reference there. That was a that was sort of if not in the specific in the exact way that they sort of combined those influences, but as a reference point for like here's how you would try and tell that story because right. I had heard when I was a kid, I had heard the story of how my family came over from Russia, um, which is that my great grandfather um, had, someone had come to, someone had come to their house, said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kill you all. And they're Mennonites, but he, my great grandfather got a gun, defended himself and whatever for, whatever passed for a local government at that time, because we were in the middle of the, of the, you know, all the Russian civil war shit, uh, and they were out in the boonies where there's basically nothing like no, there, there, there's no real sort of authority to go. They said, yeah, you're fine. You didn't, you're obviously defending yourself. No worries about it. And the the family of the guy who was killed was like, no, we're fucking coming for you. It doesn't matter that they said you're innocent. You're dead. And so they moved yeah. to Canada. Um, and that story always was just like, absolutely wild to me um, because I'm the descendant of Mennonites and that their whole thing is pacifism. Right. And that's had something that always been bouncing around in my head. is like most people I know who are Christians don't give two shits about pacifism. And yet it's kind of in there. Uh, so like, and the Mennonites seem to be the people who kind of seem to take that seriously. And this was a real case in my family's history of like, this is not just theory. This is not just religion or philosophy. Someone tried to murder my family and they, and they betrayed their religious beliefs to keep, keep themselves alive. And as, and, and for me, always fascinated with that story. And so at one point I thought about like, and this, this was, this was not the right uh, way for me to do it. At one point I was like, you know what? I should write it. This should be a script. This should be a movie. I should make this like, I'll get my camcorder and we'll do something with this, which I'm so glad I didn't do because that would have been terrible. <laughs> um, but I always liked it. And so when I started listening to Panopticon and hearing songs like where they 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 put in the samples from that oh God, now I'm gonna lose my movie cred because I don't remember the name of the movie. It's the the Harlan County USA, I think, is the movie that they they sample on Kentucky. I was like, oh, this is this potentially could work. And then my mom one day asked me to come over to her house because she had a cassette tape of my great grandfather narrating his own life story. And he said, she she asked me to digitize it so that I could send it so that she could send it to, you know, all the family across the the country and stuff. And And you're like, this literally just fell into my fucking lap. He, he, this is him literally telling his story. I think he recorded it either in the sixties or seventies. I have no concept of how that ended up happening or how it ended up on a tape and how it survived all these years and how it ended up with me listening to it. But as I was listening to it, I'm like, Oh, he's telling the story about his childhood, his adult years in Russia, and then moving over to Canada and struggling in Canada. The the album is sort of cut in half. The first half is life in Russia. And the second half is struggling in Canada. Um, 
And I was listening to him. I was like, fuck, this is, I, and I having Pan, that Panopticon album in my head being like, I could do this. And I could do this without feeling like an imposter, without feeling like I'm somehow presenting a version of myself that doesn't exist. Like I could, personally, I could never, I don't have it in myself to do the, the posturing leather, macho, the, the, you know, the stereotypical metal stuff, I, which right. I enjoy and have a good time listening to. But as a, as a person, if I'm trying to present myself as someone with an idea to share to people, I, that, that, would, that could never be me. I could never do that. No, you have um, to be real to yourself. And you just had like one of the realest stories just given to you and being like, yeah, you ha- kind of had to do it. Exactly. I was like, when, when all those pieces came together, I was like, I absolutely have to do this. And I know how to do it too, which I, you know, especially for someone who only started doing this, you know, or had, at that point, I had only been doing it for a few months. I, it wasn't obvious to me that I had the had it within myself to do that. And so when it, when it came along, I was like, oh, obviously this is what I had to do. And so how the, the, the album came together musically was basically just like, okay, we have this 20 minute tape of him narrating his own life. What do we keep? What do we lose? What's the story? And for each part of the story, what should that sound like? Um, and so you have the first track, which uh, I found an old Mennonite hymn book. Uh, there, was no, there was no music. There was just a bunch of lyrics. And so I had my buddy uh, who uh, was an actual, like he actually did folk music. I said, okay, here's some words. Let's just bang out. A, let's, let's work out a simple like acoustic song. And he knew how to sing. He could play guitar, acoustic guitar. And then I added all the like choral and percussion yeah. stuff to it. Um, and then uh, sort of the, 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 the flow of the album follows the flow of the story and the musical choices sort of like make, uh, sort, of, sort of come out of that. And, uh, and I really, and because, you know, it's about Mennonites and community and what have you, uh, I was like, I want to get as many people, as many of my friends who are already doing this stuff, I want them on there. So the, the, in contrast to stuff that came afterwards where it was mostly just me, that album had a ton of my friends on there because I wanted, uh, because I just wanted to do something with my friends, but also because they have the, by bringing in people who were really good at what they did, it just made the whole project better.
feels like home Like I'm coming home It feels like home I am coming home Rolling hills are calling the road. Like I'm coming home It feels like home I am coming home Merry Christmas wherever you are Yes, this is Christmas again 1965th birthday of our Lord Jesus Christ How many of his birthdays we are going to see we don't know but one thing we are sure of, the day of judgment, it would be the Lord's, it won't be the Lord's mercy, but it will be the day of his glory and triumph over all evil. And let us make sure that we will be entering the eternal life where there will be no tears and no sorrow. <laughs>